In your Bibles, if you turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5, it's already been echoed several times here this morning, but let me also say how delighted we are for those of you that are visiting. I really do believe that as we continue to get closer and closer to the end of this age, that the apostolic church that is baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost is going to be on display as never before. And when God sends discombobulated, hurting, addicted, scarred, wounded, empty, questioning, confused, or just hungry people. The apostolic church needs to be a place where the glory and the power of God is absolutely, it has tangibility. And I feel God in this place. I'm so thankful for that. And thankful for the church that understands that. Second Kings chapter number five. We're going to read several verses of scripture here. Very famous passage. Let's start in verse number one. We're going to read uh, verses one through four. Now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now this is, this is an unusual introduction to Naaman because he is a captain of the host of the enemies of God's people. You don't hardly ever, and I'm my theological data bank is racing to find one other example where there was an almost a declaration of the goodness of a man's character that was an enemy of God's people. But such as it was with Naaman, and the Bible lets us know before we escape verse number one, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's life. Now, before this incredible story is through this morning, this entire story is balanced on this maid. And so don't ever think that you're insignificant in the church or in the kingdom. I mean, that's... A, that's that's not the real perception that God has of you. Don't accept that. But this little maid becomes the fulcrum of this incredible story. And she said unto her mistress, which was a wife of Naaman, Would God, my Lord, were the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Naaman, it's doubtful, would have ever heard a message of healing and deliverance had it not been for a little maid. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. That's part one, okay? like movements in a symphony. Here's part two. Let's go to verse number eight. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. What had happened was is the leaders of Syria had sent a letter to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel panicked. He panicked because he couldn't heal anybody. And he panicked because of the shadow and the threat of, of people that were in control. 
So, verse number nine, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. Didn't get the answer he wanted. Didn't get what he thought the way it should have been done. He wasn't just angry. The Bible said he was wroth. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Naaman said, Are not Abana and Phapar, rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. Very inappropriate response. And his servants. Now, first it was a maid. And now it's just a nameless, faceless servant. Came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Finally, Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. The whole message in that. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. The miracle finally took place. What I want to talk to us about for a few moments is the miracle is the easy part. The miracle is the easy part. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices. And as a pe people that are hungry for bread... Let's lift our voices and open our hearts and let's pray together by the authority of the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you touch both great and small, regardless of stature or position in life. I pray for the miraculous to be performed in this house. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the divine recognition that you are so worthy of. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of Second Kings... Actually, first and second kings are an incredible chapter of history in the nation of Israel. There is little question that the most notable prophets in the history of the nation of Israel is Elijah and Elisha. The degree of the miraculous that was done, the raw message that they had towards God's people, and the reason for their existence is incredible. The nation of Israel had already begun to split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom, which was made up of Judah, was, had still formed an allegiance unto David, although Solomon's reign has already come and gone. 
And actually, Solomon was the beginning of the end for the solidarity and the oneness of the nation of Israel. David was the apex and the zenith of the history of the nation of Israel. But now, kings later, they have divided. and There is a northern kingdom and there is a southern kingdom. They become steeped in idolatry. Uh, the northern kings fearing that people would leave the northern kingdom to go and sacrifice in the temple began to incorporate what was called high places. High places, biblically and historically, are shrines to false idols. They were placed uh, and they were scattered around the northern kingdom so that the people that actually lived in the northern kingdom did not have to travel to the southern kingdom to worship. They could worship at a high place, but they did not know that when they did so, that it was actually idolatrous and a stench in the nostrils of a living God. And so God had turned his favor from his people. And God began to employ prophets uh, that would communicate from God to people. You will remember that that is exactly what the ministry of the prophet was. The priest would represent the people to God, but it was the prophet that represented God to the people. And so here in their idolatrous condition, God sends the most powerful and notable and accomplished prophets of the Word of God in a divided kingdom. God did no miracles for his people. He did honor the prayer of Elijah in that it did not rain for three years. You remember the story. Um, and he did so because it was judgment against Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. And God did that. God did honor the words of the prophet, but God did not do anything for his people without the interaction and the request of his prophets. In fact, there is a notable passage of Scripture that we want to look at when Jesus arrived in Luke chapter number 4. This is at the inauguration of his earthly ministry. He is now 33 uh, and a half years of age, and he is now introducing his ministry in the earth, and he is in uh, the temple, and he goes to the scripture that is found in Isaiah. And let's pick this up in verse number 25. This is Jesus speaking to the people that were there that day. And he said, but I tell you the truth. This is after people said, it's not this Joseph's son. This is just somebody we were raised with. This is just another person that's in our kingdom, that's part of our country. But Jesus stood up and he read the place here that is found in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus responds by saying this in verse number 25. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. This widow was not even of God's people. God was, God was willing to do miracles. God was willing uh, to to fill the meal barrel. God was willing to fill all of the vessels of oil. God was willing to do miracles among his people. But because they were in idolatry, Jesus is letting them know that there were no miracles that were done among God's people. And then read verse number 27 with me. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian. Now this, is, this was bad news for the prideful hypocrisy, religiosity of the Jews of that day. Because what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to do miracles not even found in Israel. 
I'm going to do miracles among the Gentile wherever somebody has been sexually abused and wherever somebody has been mentally abused and wherever somebody has a broken heart and wherever somebody has situations and issues in their life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel unto the poor. And when the nation of Israel heard the examples that Jesus drew from, how that a woman from Sidon was fed, and Naaman of the enemy Syrians was cleansed of his, lepr- of his leprosy, but nobody else was healed. They were filled with rage. And in fact, in verse number 28, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and they went after Jesus. The only point we're trying to make is, is to reveal unto you that God was willing to do miracles. God had the power to do miracles. God had the ability to do miracles. But people were idolatrous in their spiritual perception. I want God to know in this house today that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. Could you clap your hands with us as we make the Holy Ghost feel welcome in this house? I don't want God going to a bar. I don't want God going to somebody's house. I want God to visit Cornerstone today. I've already mentioned in this story that it talks about the content of the character of Naaman, a captain of the host of the king of Syria. And yet, he was a leper. Leprosy is the most hideous disease of the Old Testament. If I could bring it up to modern, uh, a modern standard or reference that would help you to understand, it's like AIDS. It is incurable. And because leprosy was so hideous, it was a gradual, progressive disease in which body parts gradually, as a person's body succumbed to the advancing disease, there are literally body parts that would begin to fall off. And it became so disgusting, and it became uh, something that should be kept away from the eyes of the general populace, that they actually kept these Um, lepers in colonies. They kept them away from the public. Uh, if, If you were to meet a leper on the road and maybe he was going to market and you were going home from market, he was to scream at the top of his lungs and he would put his hand over his head and hold his head down and go, unclean, unclean. It was a horrific badge of shame and dishonor for somebody to be a leper. They could not communicate with the outside world. They could not, they could not enjoy the benefits of being uh, a parent or a grandparent or wherever they were in life. They lost many of the uh, enculturated privileges of, of being a family member. But they had to live out the rest of their life in these colonies. And, and this man that, was, uh, that went by the name of Naaman was looking at that. He was looking at that and understanding that uh, coming very soon, I'm going to I'm have to give up my position. and I'm going to have to give up my place of honor. And I'm going to have to give up all of my relationships. And I'm going to have to go to a colony that is reserved for lepers. And as this incredible story continues to unfold, I've already mentioned the story about this little maid that was, she was a captive. She was a captive of God's people that is now working as a slave in the household of Naaman. And um, the household is in disarray. His wife is fretting and rubbing her hands and realizing that the crosses are covering every day on a calendar and our day is going to come when Naaman needs to leave the house and leave our relationship and go to a colony. But there was a maid that understood that I can play a very important role here. 
And I want to I encourage Cornerstone. I don't care where you're at on the job. You need to understand the surroundings around you and not become consumed with your own problems and issues. It's called circumspection. We should realize that when we're on the job, if there's somebody going through a divorce and somebody maybe struggling with alcoholism or maybe somebody that's got an issue in their life, you need to say, you know what? Why don't I just swing by and pick you up on Sunday? Why don't we go to the house of God together? Why don't we see what God, oh, come on, somebody, help me preach here today. That's why God's got you there. This little maid, her world's not perfect. She's not with her family. She's a slave. She's a slave in the house of the enemy. But she took an opportunity to say, you know what? I wish Naaman knew about a prophet that is in Israel. And it reverberated around. And finally, somebody higher up in the aristocracy of Syria said, I'm going to write the king of Israel a letter and see if I can, if I can get something going here. And, and he sent the letter to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel was absolutely petrified. He was mortified. He was terrified that our captors, our, our enemy is now requiring things of me. I can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody. I don't have answers for anybody. Somewhere, Naaman listened to this little maid and said, I don't need a king. I'll go right to his house. I've got guys with swords. I've got guys with spears. I've got guys with shields. I've got chariots and horses. I've got all kinds of men. We'll just go right to his house and demand of him an answer. And that's exactly what he did. He went to the prophet's house. He knocked on the door. I can just imagine that he bristled with pride and arrogance as he was now demanding an answer from the prophet. And in his human pride, as that door opened, I assume may have been Gehazi, the servant of the prophet, the messenger of the prophet, went and found the prophet in the den reading a book, perhaps, or a scroll or a parchment, and said, the captain of the host is at the door. You know, the guys that are running the show now, we're captors because we're idolaters. Elijah glanced up over that parchment with one eye, maybe. Tell him to go and dip seven times in Jordan. See, there's some things in God that's just too easy for some people. They got to have it complicated. I'm going to let that sink in a minute because that is right where we're going to go here today. It is not hard to get a miracle. It is not difficult to get your need met. But you're going to have to do it on God's terms, not on your terms. Somebody help me right now. I didn't come here to do it on my terms. I didn't come to Spokane to do it on my terms. I didn't come to church today to do it on my terms. I didn't come here to do it on my terms. I came to do everything that God wants me to do. Somebody go ahead and clap your hand. Somebody go ahead and praise him. You might get your miracle today. Come on, let's send up a praise break right now. Somebody lift your voice and give him glory. The servant scuttled back to the front door and said, uh, the prophet said, to go and dip yourself seven times in River Jordan, and your flesh will be clean like as a baby. Naaman wasn't happy. Naaman didn't smile. Naaman didn't say, praise God. 
Naaman didn't give God the glory. Naaman didn't do a jig. Naaman got mad. This two-bit servant that I could run a spear all the way to where crimson meets gristle, and you're the you telling me the prophet won't even come out here and talk to me? Somebody's so important. Why don't we humble ourselves? I mean, we are talking about a miracle. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want your healing? How bad do you want your renewing? Get rid of your anger. Get rid of your wrath. Somebody go ahead and shout. The miracle is the easy part. Somebody ought to just go ahead and give God the glory right now. I'm not going to preach all that much longer. No, come on, let's praise him. Somebody, let's start a praise blaze right now. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to give him glory. I'm going to get off my high horse. I'm going to get off my pride. I want a miracle. Went away upset. The pastor wouldn't even call me. I don't hold that against you. It's because you don't have the proper perspective of the prophet. Naaman was running God's people all over the place. You go here, you go there. You, I don't like you there. Go there. You pick that up. You do that. If you don't do that, give me 10 push-ups. In fact, I don't like the look on your face. Give me 100 more. It was like the nation of Israel under Egyptian bondage again. I can just, I can just see God's people bristling whenever this guy walked around because he was, he, he was strung so tight you never knew what was going to happen. And under his breath, he's saying, are not the rivers in Damascus better than the river Jordan, let me tell you something about the River Jordan. I had the opportunity to see it several times for my own self in Israel about six years ago. It is muddy. There is no part of the River Jordan that I ever saw that was not muddy. It looked like the Arkansas River. If you're from Arkansas, just forgive me. I'm not putting down Arkansas. I've got a lot of friends there. I love them dearly. But it was muddy. It was silty. It was dirty. It was, it was, it was opaque. It wasn't translucent. It was opaque. You couldn't even see. You couldn't see an inch under the surface. I can't believe that he wouldn't even come out and talk to me. I can't believe that he wouldn't even come out and lay his hands on me. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. How bad do you want your miracle, Naaman? I'm going to pose that question to somebody here. No, I don't need Benny Hinn to come in and give me some demonic showcase. I need something real from the Almighty God. Why don't you humble yourself, Naaman, and get it God's way? Somebody go ahead and shout. Somebody go ahead and praise him. Somebody give him the glory. We have direction. We have an answer. You know, I've met a lot of people through the years. Given a lot of, had the privilege and the opportunity to give a lot of Bible studies. And when you get to water baptism... I want you to stick with me for just a few minutes. When we get to water baptism, Brother Oswald, and we've got that beautiful chart, I always hear this, the same response. Oh, I've already been baptized. Okay, how were you baptized? Well, I was baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, according to Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 19. That's wonderful. 
Except the problem is nobody was ever baptized in the entirety of the Bible in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The 11 disciples that were there, that were about ready to leave there and go to the upper room, understood that when Jesus said, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that I am a father, I am a son, and I'm a pastor. Those aren't names. Those are titles. And the disciples understood because 40 to 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift. It's how you do it. It's how, come on somebody, clap your Well, I got baptized over here, and I got baptized over there, and I got baptized over here. And I asked him, how did you do it? Every one of them was the Catholic version, according to Matthew 28. And I showed him Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 16, Acts 19. We can keep going. And they say, I've never seen that before. And they went down in the name of Jesus. And whatever they were... I have seen cancer go into remission. I've seen AIDS go into remission. you got to be born again the way God. How bad you want your healing? How bad you want your healing? Clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. What's wrong with my church? What's wrong with how I was baptized? Oh, I'm coming right down to where Simeon, I've been doing this a long time. You see, I was raised United Methodist. I was on my way to being a good United Methodist boy until I started smoking dope when I was 14. Became an alcoholic by the time I was 20. They came in with robes. They did the Eucharist. They went through all the liturgies that they went through. But nobody was ever healed. Nobody was ever delivered. Nobody was ever empowered. Nobody ever spoke in tongues according to the word of God. Nobody had spiritual gifts, spiritual fruits, supernatural power. It was all form. It was all religiosity. But when I was 30 years of age, somebody invited me to an apostolic church and a guy that used to be hooked on drugs went running by me. I said, I don't know if this is for me. I've never seen this before. That's because I've never seen it with the power and with the glory and with the glory of the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to dance. Somebody needs to shout. The miracle is the easy part. Look at your neighbor and say, the miracle is the easy part. The miracle is the easy part. God just can't get people to do it his way. It's easier to be wroth. I've been this way all my life. I've been all this way ever since I got hurt. My heart was broken. I got a root of bitterness. I've been this way all the time. I'm always going to expect it this way. If you want to get your healing, you got to do it God's way. If you want to be cleansed of the worst disease known in the Word of God, you got to do it God's way. Somebody shout. Somebody praise. Somebody glorify. The miracle. And so, 70% of the ministry of Jesus was all about miracles. And with the exception of Lazarus, which Jesus did was his last, his last miracle before he was crucified. There's a reason why he saved Lazarus to the end. And the girl in the procession on her way to a funeral that Jesus raised from the dead outside of just, just one 
two. All of them required human obedience. Jesus didn't just miracle everybody like, like some big tele-evangelist. No, there is a human element built into the divine equation so that when we come through the portal of freshness and newness, I know there's only one God. I don't have to worry about what doctrine's right. I know there's only one way to be saved. I know there's only one God. I know there's only one person in the Godhead. I know that there's only one baptism. Can somebody raise your voice and give God the praise? John chapter 5, thousands of people littered the pool of Bethesda. It was the sheep pool. We like to have some romantic view that water was flowing. Reverse osmosis, crystal clear. It stunk. It was the sheep pool. It's where the, wa- the, the sheep were bathed before going to market. It stunk. But that's where the poor and impotent people were, the place of porches. And Jesus walked to a place where there were thousands that needed a miracle. But for us in the 21st century, he picked out one particular case. And a man that was in the last days of his life, in a day and an age where the life expectancy of a man was 50 years of age, here was a man that was almost that old. And Jesus said, would thou be made whole? And, he, and already, this is the way human beings healed. This is the way Naaman did it. This is the way people do it. You know, uh, there's no man to help me. You know, I'm codependent. There's nobody to help me. When the angel stirs the water, and i got to have somebody. It's always somebody's fault. It's already got to be somebody's got to blame why. I didn't get healed, and I didn't get my deliverance, and I didn't get what I need from God. And this guy started it out with Jesus, and Jesus said, Take up thy bed and walk. And as he took it up, my God, if you'll do your part, God will do his. Somebody, under the sound of my voice, how many people here today obeyed the word of God and were regenerated, resuscitated, rejuvenated? Somebody, Get your healing today. Get your renewing today. Get what you need today. Let God touch you today. God can do it. Let's clap our hands and give him real praise. Come on, look at somebody. The miracle is the easy part. The healing is the easy part. The supernatural is the easy part. How sick are you going to be, Naaman? How sick and tired are you going to get before you finally say, well, I guess I'll go and humble myself? Do you realize... How many people I have seen come out of that water? There was a man. You may be seated. Good to have you guys here. Yeah, a guy show up at this church. I got a call from one of the ushers. said, Pastor, are you on your way to church? I said, no, but I'm thinking about it. He said, would you hurry up and get here? There's a weird guy here waiting on you. He called me about 10 minutes later. He said, Pastor, are you, are, you, uh, are you on your way yet? I said, I'm heading to the door. He said, please hurry. This guy is really weird. I said, that's okay. I was really weird before I got saved. The church welcomes weird people. But you're not going to do it your way. You're, you may be a big shot out there, but if you want your healing, you want God to pull that root of bitterness out, you want God to put his spirit in you at another level, you're going to have to go down in the name of Jesus. And then you'll come up by the power of Let's go ahead and clap our hands. 
you know how many people I've seen that once they consented to being baptized, the weird guy at the church, I walked in and a guy shook my hand with a hand that was made, felt like it was made out of silly putty. How you doing? My name's Bart. I'm the drag queen of Seattle. He was a transvestite. That means a guy that dressed up like a woman. Today, he would have just gone ahead and become transgender. The transgenders are saying, I was born wrong. The gay movement said, I was born this way. Jesus said, you got to be born again. You want to do it your way, you go ahead. You want to do it my way, here's the water. Here's the... Somebody! Come on, somebody give him praise. You know you did it God's way. And you're the beneficiary of the miraculous power of God. Don't laugh at these people running. You're looking at people that got their miracle. You're looking at people... Well, I could never do that. How bad you want your healing? How bad you want your victory? How bad you want the glory? You may be seated. And so... The drag queen of Seattle, huh? Our church loved the guy. I didn't get up and say that in front of the congregation. We got the drag queen of Seattle. No. I said it's good to have Bart here. He wants to be saved tonight. He's ready to repent of his. And would you believe that after that service, he ran to the altar, tears streaming down his face. We got him ready for baptism. He went down in the name of Jesus. He went down in the name of Jesus. He went down in the name of Jesus. And he came out of that water speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. saying I've got to absolutely obey what's in the Bible? Yes. Never heard that. God not just, God's not going to just move without some type of condition. Would you believe that when Bart visited our church, he was a high-ranking administrator for a large bank? White-collar job. He said, I'm dying of AIDS. Would you believe that his AIDS went into remission when he came out of that water? He went to the doctor. The doctor said, I don't know where you've been. How bad do you want your healing? How bad do you want your deliverance? How bad do you want to be cleansed? How bad do you want the miraculous? The miracle is the easy part. Naaman finally humbled himself. First it was a little maid. Not even a name. Not even her social security number given. Not, only, not even her Microsoft registration number that Bill Gates knows by heart. Pastor, I'm just real insignificant in the church and nobody... Nobody knows who I am. You can change worlds. You're not looking at yourself right. Nobody that's baptized in Jesus' name is insignificant. No, no, no. Nobody that's gone down in the name in which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess is insignificant. Nobody that's had the name of Jesus called over them is insignificant. Clap your hands. Give God the praise. Take another look in the Bible. 
how many people. The very first man. Last week we celebrated 27 years in Spokane. The first man that ever got the Holy Ghost in this church 27 years ago in a 700 square foot office suite on the corner of First in David was in our very first service. His family brought him. He was dying of emphysema. They had to sign special paperwork at Sacred Heart Hospital to even allow him to leave the hospital. And he was in that service. And would you believe that I laid hands on him and he started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I baptized him the very next day in in the whirlpool on the seventh floor of Sacred Heart Hospital. And what absolutely amazed the doctors is he walked out of that hospital a week ago and lived every day and months after that. I'm telling you, when you do it God's way, you get the miraculous. You get the supernatural. You Somebody needs to stand to their feet and shout with a voice. Come on, somebody praise him. Come on, somebody worship him. Come on, somebody. Come on, amen. First, just remain standing. First, it was the maid. Then it was a servant. How bad does it got to get, Naaman? How bad does the deception, living a lie, living a duplistic life, trying to hide your leprosy, trying to act like it's not progressing, trying to act like it's not about to take your ears and your nose, trying to have one more blessed night and blessed day with your family? How bad does it got to get, Naaman? I'm preaching to people that are greatly loved here today. How bad's it got to get? The miracle is the easy part. Every hand raised, let's give God the praise. I'm done preaching. You can blame other people to your blue in the face, Naaman. That ain't going to get you your miracle. That ain't going to change anything. That ain't going to bring the glory in. That's not going to take away this incurable disease. The miracle is the easy part. The supernatural is really very easy. You just obey, and God moves. And problems that you thought were insurmountable now are seen clearly and plainly as a molehill. God sent me to this place today to preach this message. I had no idea who was going to be here and who wasn't going to be here. I had a good idea, but you know how it is. But there are people under the sound of my voice that already know what they need to do for the miracle. I've had people tell me I can't, I can't, I can't obey that, even though it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I see it. I see that's what the apostles preached. They didn't preach the Trinity. They didn't preach a triune baptism. They preached Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Neither is there salvation in another. Faith and faith in his name has made this man whole that you see and hear today. Over and over and over and over. But I can't do that. All my family goes to that other church. All my family, all my connections. They go to that other church until you say, what if they ended up in this church? You see, God's got to start with somebody, Naaman. I can see Naaman after coming out of that water. Naaman is a different person. Now he's at the prophet's door saying, what can I do to bless you? He brought two big, huge donkeys filled with dirt, rarefied, precious soil of Damascus. Of course, the prophet refused it not wanting to be beholden to any man. But you see a complete different man because the miracle is the easy part.
There's more than a few under my, under the sound of my voice today. You already know. You already know exactly what you need to do. Maybe it's live in the altar for a season. Every time you get the opportunity, you're just going to pile into that altar. But good, God's already revealed it to you. Maybe you need to go on a fast. Maybe you need to do your part and start witnessing to the guys on the job and quit worrying about job security because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This altar's open. Come on. Come on, Naaman. The maid has preached here today. The servant has declared today. The miracle is so easy for God to do, but so hard to position people. Come. Come on, Cornerstone. Come on down and help us pray. Many people piling into this altar right now. Come on. By the authority of the name of Jesus. Let's sing a song. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You can get your miracle. I don't care. Maybe you're here praying and seeking God for a family member. God can do that too. There's plenty of examples in the New Testament. Maybe it's healing for a child. God did those miracles too. But somebody is going to have to do it God's way. miracles in this house there's miracles in this house and I've come to get mine today whatever I gotta do to get it I'm gonna get your miracle right now Pastor, I'm going to do whatever the Word of God says to do. If i got to humble myself, if I've got to apologize, if I've got to deal with the root of bitterness, if i got to deal with my attitude, Hear our cry be lifted high in this place. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 